You're listening to the Peak Physique Podcast with Andre Adams on the NASM Podcast Network. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Peak Physique Podcast powered by NASM. I'm your host, Andre Adams. And we've got a very special guest on today. I'm so excited to connect, share some thoughts, and maybe pick his brain about a few things and go beyond what we call the judge's table. So introducing for the first time on our show, we've got Tarek L. Gundy. Tarek, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Andre. How are you? It's an honor to be here with you guys. Doing great, brother. Good to see you back. I think the last time we connected, you know, we were out at uh, Legion Sports Festival hosting um, a nice athlete seminar and workshop for our good buddy Chris Minnis out there. So I'm glad to be back and chop it up with you here again. Yeah, so it's been exciting after the Legion Sports Festival. We had the Mr. Olympia and obviously that was a huge show. Right after the Olympia, I flew to Romania to judge the show there. And that was also a quite entertaining, very interesting event. And just this past weekend, I was in Las Vegas judging an NPC show where we actually saw Nick Walker on stage after his injury. So um, yeah. exciting post-Olympia um, shows. I saw that. You've been busy. So you're a travel warrior. You know, I've been on the road quite a bit myself, but I know you had some really tough international travel. So uh, thanks again, making the time here to chat with us today. And let's give them for our followers that don't know, Tarek, we'll give them a rundown of some of your credentials as well, right? You're an IFBB pro head judge, an Olympia judge. You've got um, some really big projects in the work right now between Olympia TV as director and primetime muscle. I'm, I'm you know, I've, it's been a pleasure to watch some of those episodes, too. And maybe tell me a little bit about each of those projects and what you guys have in store uh, coming up here for 2024. So Primetime Muscle was an idea by Jake Wood, the owner of, um, of the Mr. Olympia. Obviously, a lot of us are football fans, and we watched some of the, 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 the shows uh, after the Super Bowl or after Monday Night Football. And uh, Jake Wood wanted to uh, duplicate that effort in bodybuilding. And uh, we, we selected a good cast. Uh, I'm one of them, Tim Wilkins. Um, is part of the team, and Chris Cormier, legendary bodybuilder. And also, uh, Chris and I have had a relationship, and uh, we kind of, you know, try to entertain, bring a little bit of fun to the to the game. And Tim Wilkins is an ultimate pro. He, he kind of triggers the uh, animosity between the judge and the competitor. So it's uh, a lot of fun, but it, I also think it's a lot of good information. It is. You know, I wish... 10 years ago, when I was kind of in my peak on stage, I wish I had some of these good tools between what you guys are doing here at Primetime Muscle. I mean, this show, right, where we're just giving this great information to our followers. Um, and then, you know, Tyler Mannion has also been putting out some excellent criteria type feedback, uh, which I know a lot of coaches and athletes are, are appreciative of. So it's great. I'm glad to see you guys doing your thing there. You know, in this episode, I think we'll touch on a few things. One is Definitely want to get your insights and thoughts on some of the um, Olympia, right? So we can do a, maybe a quick recap. Um, speaking of Nick Walker, right? He was one of those, uh, you know, kind of big, uh, high expectation athletes that was not able to compete. 
Um, so maybe we'll start there and we'll go through some different different topics throughout this episode. Yeah, so um, Derek Lumsford has has made improvements from 2022 to 2023, especially on the side poses. He improved tremendously his separation between hamstrings and glutes, became more aesthetically and also added some density. And he was able to beat Hadi Shupan on those side poses. Obviously, a lot of us know about his back double biceps, his back lat spread. He's quite dominant. But it was on the side poses that he was able to create a little bit of an advantage against Hadi. Hadi did win poses from the front, uh, front lat spread, abdominals and thighs, uh, most muscular. So Hadi did have some poses that he won. But Derek Lunsford, in the end, had more poses. And also on the quarter turns, he looked a little bit more balanced than Hadi. But it was a tremendous battle. They're great competitors. I had the privilege of judging them in 2022 as well. And in 2022, the only pose that Derek Lunsford beat Hadi Shupan was back double biceps. So you see the progression of one competitor um, starting to gain more poses as the years go by. Now, going to uh, Nick Walker, I had a chance to judge the show, the NPC show in Las Vegas, uh, NPC High Roller Royale, promoted by Mark Anthony and Jennifer Dory. And I, I have to tell you, I don't think Nick Walker would be fighting for fourth. I don't think he would be fighting for third. I don't think he would be fighting for second. I think Nick Walker could have very well be Mr. Olympia. I think mm -hmm. he would have been bigger. I think he would have been very conditioned. And I think that he would have overpowered Derek and Hadi Shupan in some poses, especially side chest. Now, obviously, Andre, we're speculating here based on what we saw in a guest posing. But yeah. I believe that if this man did not have his injury, he would be right there fighting with those two guys for the title. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, we have to remember a lot of these guys that are at the top of the division right now actually grew into the division starting as really, you know, high and tough competitors in the 212 division before growing ultimately to open bodybuilding. So I agree. I think Nick could potentially have a big advantage there if he nails the conditioning, you know, if he can bring the waist in nice and tight. Uh, he definitely has a size in, and always brings the uh, conditioning advantage to the stage. So I'm excited, you know, looking at it as a whole, you've still got Samson in the mix. Um, I'm really liking the progression of Andrew Jack. I, I think maybe he missed his peak uh, a little bit. I'd love to hear you weigh in on that too, but um, definitely some deep talent in these open bodybuilding divisions. Yeah. So we mentioned on primetime muscle, um, which is kind of interesting. Andrew Jack is a human statue. His physique looks beautiful right? Small waist, large clavicle bones. He's got the abs. It looks like he has a separation on his chest and shoulders, almost like carved up as a statue. And uh, he's got a tremendous physique, but his biggest obstacle is Samson Dauda, right? If Samson Dauda is not on the scene, all of us would be talking about uh, Andrew Jack as the most aesthetically pleasing physique, the future of bodybuilding. Um, unfortunately for Andrew Jack, Simpson Dowda is on the scene. Simpson Dowda is almost as aesthetically pleasing as Andrew Jack. He's got a small waist, beautiful lines, and he's a little bit more dense. So mm -hmm. as I mentioned on Primetime Muscle, Simpson Dowda has taken a little bit of the air of the sail 
of Andrew Jack. And if Andrew Jack wants to, to become the number one aesthetically pleasing bodybuilder, he has to beat Samson Dowda. He has to bring more density to his physique because he's quite tall. Yep. He's taller than Samson Dowda. So he's going to have to carry more weight. Um, but, you know, it's in the end, Andre, we, I was talking a few days ago. It was just five years ago. We had Big Rami. We had Sean Roden. We had Phil Heath. We still had Dexter Jackson. And right yep. now we have five, six new guys fighting for the top. So I wouldn't be surprised if Andrew Jack and Simpson Dowda are fighting for the top in three years if things change up. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's an exciting time. And like you said, you know, some of it is the physical attributes that they have to bring to the stage, the improvements. And, you know, Andrew and some of these guys are going to have their work cut out because it would take a guy like a Samson or a Nick or Derek, right, for these guys to maybe get injured, right, where they're not able to push themselves and you can make up some ground, um, or they just come in a little bit off. And then last but not least, sometimes the mental game, right? Sometimes your heart just isn't fully into a prep, your mind's not fully into that prep, and maybe you don't push as hard. But it's going to take a lot to cover some ground and close the gap. I agree. Yeah, we're, we're, we're seeing some, some different physiques, right? You have Hadi Schupan and Derek Lunsford. They have similar physiques, right? They're a little bit shorter. They're compact. Then you have a mass monster in there uh, who brings tremendous conditioning. And that's why he could eventually surprise a lot of people, which is Nick Walker. And then you have the aesthetically pleasing guys, uh, Samson Dowda and Andrew Jack. In the case of Samson Dowda is conditioning. Mm -hmm. If Samson Dowda, he has been improving his back. If Samson Dowda um continues to improve his conditioning he could very well overtake everybody who's who's ahead of him i agree 100 percent. and we're going to also cover a few other divisions that I, I would love to have you weigh in on for you guys that are just joining us it's your boy andre adams you are on the peak physique podcast powered by nasm and i'm here with my good friend our special guest mr Tarek el gundy Tarek. Let's move on to classic physique. So, um, you know, I actually started my pro career in men's physique way back in the day, the early days, 2013. And then I was so excited when classic came out, which is where I've spent the last five to six years of my own career. And looking at the sport, right, we've seen that evolution from the early days with Danny. You and I both love the aesthetics and the posing and symmetry and things that Danny brought. Uh, Breon Ansley, right, two-time Mr. Olympia to now the five time if i'm not mistaken um has it been four or five i think it's five now with, with chris five Bumstead. time five time chris this Bumstead. year was five yeah so chris has been dominant now for half a decade and you know give us your thoughts on what do some of these top guys let's let's look at the top five in classic what do these guys need to do to potentially catch and can they potentially catch catch chris bumstead so uh 2022 judging Chris Bumstead, he was very impressive, very dominant. I was, you know, obviously, Urs Kalachinsky, Ramon Dino, Terrence Ruffin, Brian Ansley, they're amazing competitors. But in 2022, which I think it could have could have been Chris Bumstead's best year, he was impressive. I thought there was a lot of distance between him and the lineup. And he won convincingly. Now, in 2023, the game changed. 
the game changed, Andre. And um, I, uh, I was judging, and I was a little bit to the left side. And coincidentally, when the first the first time Chris Bumstead came to do his posing in the group comparison, the first thing I noticed, it was especially from the back, Chris was not as conditioned as he was in 2022. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I saw that, I said, maybe he opened a little bit the possibility for somebody to come in. Now, Ramon Dino was better than 2022. He was more conditioned. You could see the separation on the shoulders, the separation on the chest. So Chris was not as conditioned and Ramon was better. He was a little bit more conditioned. The key component in this battle is this. Chris Bumstead has large clavicle bones. So in a lot of poses, he's going to look wider. And in addition to that, he's a master poser, which makes him look wider and more aesthetically pleasing than Ramon. Now, Ramon is closing the gap, which is incredible, is amazing. Urs Kalachinsky is not doing that. Terrence Ruffin is not doing that. And beyond, despite a great performance, I still see a distance between him and Chris. But Ramon Dino has made a statement in 2023. He improved his conditioning. His legs and his back were a lot better, which made his physique more balanced. So we're not staring at his arms. Mm -hmm. And if he continues to pose better and he can overtake Chris Bumstead's width through posing, we could very well have a new champion. And I think Chris Bumstead is, is an extremely cerebral guy. He knows that there's one guy coming close to him, and his name is Ramon Dino. Ramon Dino, I give him a lot of credit because he's coming close to the unbeatable Chris Bumstead, and he could eventually do, do the deed. I agree. It's like watching Jay Cutler versus Ronnie Coleman, right? And you know... It, all it takes is the Ronnie coming off that 1%, right? And and the other guys making that progress every year to close the gap. So I'm excited. Dino seems like um, a true athlete, right? He's a true competitor. And I think although he's placing runner-up, I think it fires him up even more to bring a better package to the stage. So I'm excited to see how he's able to respond over the coming years. I do think he's probably the biggest threat to the classic physique crown, you know, and and for Chris, right, you got to think about that championship mindset. It gets tough after five years to keep yourself motivated and continue finding ways to come back 1% better each and every year. So I'm excited to see how things shake out. Another division I want to touch on for sure is men's physique, right? Men's physique will always have a special place in my heart. And this year I was really excited for the first time in a while, just me personally, because it was a bit nostalgic, right? We had guys that I came up with from my era, like Brandon Hendrickson and Jeremy Buendia coming back right after several years out of the sport. And I felt like it was it, it was interesting to see how did the old school guys, how are they going to do with the, the new era of men's physique athletes, right? Um, at the same time, you had the shakeup that you and I, you know, witnessed obviously at the Legion Sports Festival where E-Banks um, actually dropped a show, um, you know, and I, I thought that surprised many people and it could go either way. Either he responds and comes in twice as good at Olympia or it rattles his nerves a bit. Right. And I think a lot of people had been sleeping on Ryan Terry for quite some time. Right. Ryan's always in the mix, 
but I don't think anyone really had them on the on the radar to pull off the win, which was really exciting to watch. So uh, Ryan Terry, along with Andre Ferguson, have the two best midsections in the history of men's physique. I would argue that Ryan Terry has prettier uh, midsection. Andre Ferguson has actually thicker abs, but you can pick and choose whoever you like. But when it comes to, to abdominal section, Ryan Terry might be the best men's physique of all times. He's got tremendous chest. But Ryan Terry had an issue, which was his back did not have enough detail, and it could have been a little bit wider in the past. From the front, he could have been Olympia men's physique champion many years. But when he turned to the back and he faced guys like Jeremy Buendia, when he faced guys like Brandon Hendrickson, uh, like uh, Aaron Banks, he was missing something. It was shocking to see that after all these years, this guy comes in, He's aesthetically pleasing. He's got tremendous abs. His chest is full. He turned to the back, and I saw the separation. Andre, when he turned to the back right next to Brandon Hendrickson, it took me one second to realize he was going to win the title. I didn't have to look for five for 20 seconds. His mm -hmm. separation from the back was superior than Brandon Hendrickson, now, obviously, Brandon is wider, but he had more detail. And then he was beating Brandon from the front in terms of deep separation on the obliques and those great abs. So it was it was long coming. We 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 loved his physique and I give him credit. You know, he, these some of these old school guys in the men's physique category, they can come back and surprise you just like Chiron did against Aaron Banks. Uh, I often tell people a lot of people that want to judge shows. The two most difficult divisions to judge are bikini and men's physique because there is a limitation of how big they can get. And um, especially in the bikini, there's a limitation of how conditioned they can get. So it's a very small window of opportunity for you to nail your best physique. And that's why we've had so many different champions. Now, the guy who really propelled the category was Jeremy Buendia, who was very consistent in the beginning. But since then, we've had a lot of changes. And the key question is, who's going to show up at his best? If Kyron Holden shows up the way he showed up at the Legion Sports Festival, he could have won the show, right? Mm -hmm. I even thought that Aaron Banks was better at the Legions despite placing second. And Jeremy Buendia was not at his best. I could tell from the beginning he did not have the separation uh, on the obliques to be in the top five. But again, Jeremy could come back and he could win the title. Um, we have a lot of great competitors in the men's physique. And if I was Ryan Terry, I would be very concerned because there's a lot of great guys now gunning for him, knowing that he was there the whole time, eventually nailed in one. So a lot of guys are now saying, this is my time. Yeah, it's exciting. And I think like you said, because the criteria is so specific for something like bikini and physique, it takes the perfect combination of peaking out. You've got to have the right combination of conditioning, size, symmetry, you know, be able to present that through good posing. And I'm excited. Um, you know, looking at Jeremy come back, I was I was questioning and I, I looked at it both ways. You know, he could either knock it out of the park and completely nail his peak. You know, maybe his body's rejuvenated after four to five years out of the sport. 
And honestly, he looked good. Um, I think he looked good. I know he had some um, injuries that he worked through previously. I feel like had he done one or two either test peak weeks or test, you know, tune up shows, he probably could have placed a lot higher um, in this show. And and to your point with Chiron, Chiron's dangerous. I feel like the conditioning of his back, sometimes he misses that just a little bit. But his overall density, the size, the fullness, he's got the tight waistline, right, when he brings it in. So there's definitely, uh, it's, a, it's up for grabs, right? I mean, when we look at 2024, I don't think anyone's dominant enough to, to claim victory just yet. Yeah, this is, it's a great time, Andre. Um, this is the best time to be a, a bodybuilder. This is the best time to be a classic physique competitor. This is the best time to be a men's physique competitor. Um, you can reach so many people. Um, you know, I remember Chris Bumstead, uh, a few, maybe six, seven years ago, uh, he wasn't the classic physique champion and he came to Los Angeles uh, to watch his sister compete, Melissa Bumstead. And not a lot of people knew of Chris Bumstead. Uh, he was sitting there. I remember not a lot of people coming to him or taking pictures. He was just, you know, there with his sister. And after five Olympia uh, titles in the classic physique, this guy is a social media phenom, and obviously he's done well financially. You look at Samson Dowda this year, who didn't win the Olympia, but won the Arnold, won some of the other shows. It's coming in at half a million dollars in prize money, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, and you can reach so many people on social media. I also like to communicate, and that's one of the reasons that I wanted to come here. If you are a certified personal trainer, if you educate yourself, if you have the background and, you know, National Association of Sports Medicine is by far one of the best, uh, if not the best. I worked at Gold's Gym for 10 years. Every time somebody came with one of those um, certifications, they got a job immediately as a trainer. It was uh, the most respected certification. If you are, if you are a competitor, whether you're an IFBB pro or an NPC athlete, and you are educated, you have a powerful certification, you start distinguishing yourself from the rest and you become very, very valuable in this market, right? Um, mm -hmm. If you're able to properly educate your, your audience and you have the background and you have the education, man, the sky's the limit. I see people trying to sign up uh, competitors that are, are good at communicating, that have the background for a lot of money. So the time to educate yourself, the time to promote yourself, the time to compete, it has never been better than right now. That's exactly right. And you know, thinking about what NASM brings to the table with that evidence-based science and research, we've got coaches experience, you know, client outcomes through multiple preps. And like you said, when you marry all those things together, you get something truly unique and specialized. You know, we even have the uh, PBC course now, which is physique and bodybuilding coach. And it was that was a pleasure to be a part of, um, you know, to help contribute as one of the subject matter experts. And it's amazing what you can build over time with the right coaching and knowledge. So definitely, if you guys are out there and you're looking for work as a personal trainer, contest prep coach, uh, NASM definitely has some great resources and tools for you to help further your career. We're going to reset. For any of you guys that are just now joining us, this is your boy, Andre Adams. This is the Peak Physique Podcast, powered by NASM, and you're here with our special guest, Tarek L. Gundy. 
Tarek, one more thing that we're going to, before we move on from men's physique, I think a lot of people have asked me questions on this too, with the weight cap in effect for, you know, post Olympia heading into 2024, a couple questions uh, that, that I've received were, what is the purpose of the weight cap? And when will it hit the amateur and PC ranks? So maybe let's start touching on that. So uh, the guys were getting too big, Andre. That's that's uh, that's a fact, right? So the guys were getting too big, and um, you know, a lot of times people come up to us and they say, "Hey, uh, is the criteria changing? Is this changing?" No, the criteria is not changing. You have to judge what's in front of you, and if you have ten guys who are big guys in front of you, you have to adapt what you have in front of you with the criteria. Nobody is complaining that Derek Lunsford looks bigger than Larry Scott, right? We're not saying, hey, has the criteria changed? You know, we need to have guys like Larry Scott, 1965, winning the Olympia, not big guys like Derek Lunsford. So I am honored to be part of the NPC and the IFBB Pro League because we're constantly in contact to see how we can improve the sport, just like the NFL, you know, they, they have rule changes every year with the NPC and the IFPB Pro League. We, you know, we're actually having a meeting in Dallas. We get together, we share ideas. We say, hey, I think this might work. This is not working. And we change. Um, the Mencesi guys were getting a bit big, right? Some mm -hmm. of these guys, huge arms, um, huge chest, huge backs. And if you want to be that big, you need to be in another category. You need to go to classic. You need to go to a uh, bodybuilding. So we want to streamline a little bit more the guys. There's now a, a height and weight. I did it in Romania. I already measured uh, the guys in Romania one week after the Olympia. And, you know, I got to be honest. I haven't noticed a lot of the guys um, that were great men's competitors be out of the game, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Kaiki Joliveira, who was at the Olympia, who's one of the best, uh, competitors. He went to Romania and, and he beat the weight without any problems. So I don't foresee a lot of changes. Now, I think there are some guys that are going to have to streamline, some guys that are going to have to cut back. Um, uh, you, you can see that they have a lot of mass. And for mm -hmm. those guys, the question is, do you want to cut down on the muscle or do you want to go to classic physique? Hey, go to classic physique. Uh, people don't know this, but Chris Bumstead turned pro as a bodybuilder mm -hmm. and he ended up becoming a superstar in classic physique. Jeremy Buendia started his career as a bodybuilder and he ended up being a superstar in men's physique. Andre, you changed classes. You yep. know, you succeeded in both of them. So I'm all about telling competitors, just give it a shot. Go to classic. If it doesn't work, Nobody's going to blame you. You can come back to men's physique. You know, I, I just saw uh, Stan Delongo, a French competitor. He started as men's physique, earned his qualification to the Olympia as a classic physique, and now he's an open bodybuilder. It's perfectly mm -hmm. fine. Yeah, and you see it all the time. In fact, one of my very close buddies in the sport from the beginning, Johnny Sebastian, I remember... He started out in men's physique and then, you know, went to Olympia there, came back as classic physique, went to Olympia there. And I actually finished with a top three placing, I want to say, at the Legion Sports in uh, 212 bodybuilding. So you could do a lot of fun things, especially if you're looking for a different challenge, depending on what 
your genetic structure is and your ability to grow and build muscle and these types of things. So uh, the other thing that I always consider between men's physique and classic is do you a do you have the density and the size in the legs and do you love to pose? Right. If you're not maybe a great poser, men's physique might be a better platform to just start and get accustomed to the stage and these things. But if you truly love the artistry and the posing and the choreography, then classic physique might be the better division to grow into. And I, I know one of the other criteria that we're looking at now for the pros, especially for men's physique, is although the quads are not scored, they should be in balance or in alignment with the upper body. So I think that maybe sets, you know, some of the some of the guys that weren't training the legs that sets them up for, you know, more training, which is obviously going to, they're going to have to balance that with the weight cap as well, right? Just to make sure they're not too yeah. lower body dominant, right? Where it puts them over on weight. Yeah. You know, one of the things that competitors don't notice is that if you do train your legs as a men's physique competitor, it's going to make your waist look smaller. Yep. You know, it's just the illusion that you got some quads coming out. You can see through the board shorts. I mean, we as judges, sometimes we see some men's physique guys with bigger legs than open bodybuilders. We can't wait to go backstage and tell them to go to open bodybuilding. But, you know, Brandon Hendrickson was the champion of that. He had the quads. He wanted to show and it made his waist look small. So um, I even made a comment about a body a men's physique competitor that won his qualification for the Olympia. And they asked me for the feedback. I told them, I said, listen, if he grows some calves on him, he's going to look more aesthetically. He's going to look more complete. You know, the physique is a combination of a lot of things. Um, and as you come and you walk on that stage, we're paying attention to, to everything you do there, right? We're paying attention to the midsection on bodybuilders when they're breathing. We're paying attention to the classic physique competitors on the sidelines if they're, you know, holding on to their poses. We're paying attention to a lot of things. So as a competitor, you want to be as complete as possible in every aspect, in every category. That's right. So, you, you know, there's no stones left unturned when we're on stage. And I love that you mentioned standing off on the diagonal or walking across the stage. A lot of people think they're only being judged when they're in the box. The reality is if the judges can see you, you are being judged. So make sure that you, you know, you nail your conditioning and your poses anytime you your feet hit the stage. Absolutely. Uh, sometimes... I'm looking at a lineup of 15 people and I already have four of them um, on the first call out. I'm looking for two more to be on that, that call out. And I'm looking to the sides, Andre. I'm looking to the sides. I look to the left and I look to the right. If yep. you're there prepared, hitting your pose on the side next to three competitors that are waving to their families, you are going to get called. Because mm -hmm. in that specific moment, you are the best one. So you have to pose at all times on the sides. You know, I know it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of breathing, but you, you got to be posing at all times. That's right. I love it. Great tips. So all you guys that are tuning in, make sure you're taking these notes down. This is going to be really useful stuff for you as an athlete or a coach. And we're going to touch on one more division. And then I think we'll wrap the episode up today with some tips for those novice competitors going to, you know, that are trying to become IFBB pros. But I want to touch on one more division quick, which is bikini 
one of my favorite divisions. I would say the majority of the athletes I work with today tend to be bikini and wellness. And it's like you said, the criteria gets so specific that a lot of people are unsure. Am I too muscular? Am I too hard or dense? Um, you know, is my conditioning not enough or too much? So let's, let's maybe take a peek at Let's look at the top three from Olympia, some of your observations, because that was a that was a close one with with three different physiques, right? With Ashley, Maureen and Jen kind of walk us through where your mind was at Olympia and then any advice for the criteria moving forward. So, um, you know, if you look back at Jennifer Dory's first title, she was able to defeat Laura Lee Chapados because she was a bit softer than Laura Lee. Laura Lee was just a smidge um, more conditioned than we would like to see. And sometimes, Andre, we're talking about some of the lines on the hamstrings, right? Once we start seeing that, once we start seeing a little bit of veins on the arms, then you've surpassed the criteria. Now, obviously, you're still looking at the fullness of the glutes, the uh, tight midsection, and all that small waist and posing. <clears throat> but Jennifer Dory was able to, to beat her because she was a bit softer. Going into 2022, she loses to Maureen because she's a bit harder than Maureen, right? Yep. And it happens to competitors. It happens all the time. They think, oh, my God, I should have been harder. I should have been harder. And they come in harder. And that's why Jennifer Dory was not at her best. Maureen Blanquisco is phenomenal in terms of her genetics. She's tiny everywhere. And then she's got these glutes. You know, she's just genetically gifted. Now, Maureen Blanquisco now in 2023 came just a little bit soft, a little bit too soft. And Jennifer Dory regained her best physique and softened up from 2022. So what we're looking at is... We have this small little window here where competitors navigate, okay, too conditioned, too soft, too conditioned, too soft. You have to be on that little spot where you're not too conditioned, you're not too soft. And in this year, Jennifer Dory was right in there. Maureen just came out of there a little bit. It is so close, so close that these competitors could just flip next year. And when you're talking about Ashley Kowasser, she actually has been one of the most consistent in being on that small little window. What Ashley needs to do is gain a little bit more fullness to her physique. She's a bit streamlined, and Jennifer Dory and Maureen Blanquisco are coming in with fuller glutes. So her strategy needs to be different. Mm -hmm. There is no harder category to judge Andre than bikini. I've grown a lot of gray hair trying to figure out the winner. And a lot of times it's very close as it has been at the Mr. Olympia. And some of these competitors are so good. They almost look every time better than the previous year is one of the best categories. And it is the most popular category in the NPC. Yeah, it's it's been fun to watch the evolution. And I couldn't agree more, Tarek. I think when we're, when we're getting to this elite level, right, the best of the best in the world, we have to start cutting hair, right? We're splitting hairs because the competition is stacked so deep. And on top of that, now we've got the genetic or structural differences in the in the physiques. So, you know, and, and on top of that, I'll add one more thing. It kind of 
matters or depends on who shows up and how they show up that day because you guys can only judge what's in front of you. So if everyone else is a little soft and then, you know, you're on the cusp, it might make you look over conditioned or vice versa. So I, I love the strategy though, because it keeps competitors and coaches on their toes all the way up until game day. And then even between prejudging and finals where you're trying to dial everything in, you know, and it's a chess match. So definitely um, a beautiful division to watch the evolution. I think the key takeaways for you competitors and coaches out there moving into 24, you've got to A, you got to nail the conditioning and that's a fine line that you're walking, right? B, you've got to be full enough, which is also difficult to achieve. And when we say full, we're not referring to spilled over, right? Where you're, you know, you look thick through the midsection or the core. You've got to be lean enough first, fill out second. You shouldn't be overly dry, striated, no, you know, details in the muscle fibers. And and then you got to present all that with good posing and, you know, just make sure that you don't have any major flaws that stand out against you. Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned something very important. It, it, it also depends on who you're standing next to. Derek Lunsford did not look his best at this Mr. Olympia. He said himself, I still need to improve my chest. I still need to improve a little bit my legs. Uh, Chris Bumstead was not at his best at this Mr. Olympia, but they both won the title. Um, and I tell competitors, you're not going to be perfect. Ronnie Coleman didn't have the greatest abs. What you want to do is, you know, um, diminish as many flaws as possible and come as close as possible to your best. Um, mm -hmm. And know full well that your competitor, the person posing next to you, they're not perfect either. Nobody's perfect. Everybody has a little bit of a flaw. You just got to cut as many flaws as possible and give yourself a chance. I love it. That's the name of the game. That's our ain't done yet. Mindset is always chasing perfection. And Tarek, I think we'll leave our followers today with some quick tips or maybe just a quick overview for you guys that are maybe new to the sport. Maybe you've just finished a weight loss journey, a transformation. You're starting to think about joining the NPC and getting your feet wet in competition. Let's kind of map out the journey. What does that look like starting from a novice athlete all the way up through becoming an IFBB pro. Uh, so Tarek, I'll let you kind of take the lead on this, but let's, let's start with a novice athlete. I'm thinking maybe, you know, finding a coach and then finding your first regional show, et cetera. You know, uh, Andre, I always begin with the person, right? When somebody, when somebody decides to, to do a competition, um, a lot of times I, I've asked people, I said, why do you want to do a competition? And they say, well, because my friend did it and I decided to do it. Well, a lot of people have friends that have done competitions and they, they've never gone on stage. You know, that's not a good justification to get you to be, you know, in, in, in such a condition of dieting and exercising for three months. But a lot of times they see their friends competing. And some of them, the reason that some of them go on stage is because they have found a significant emotional experience, right? <clears throat> and sometimes, you know, girlfriends, one of them did a show and looked incredible. And the other girl says, no, I, I can't let that happen. Women are very competitive. I'm also going to do a show. I'm also going to have beautiful pictures and post on Instagram. Hey, that's perfectly fine. Sometimes I've met people that said, hey, I just wanted to do one show 
for my mother. My mother was a competitor in the past and I wanted to do it one time. Sometimes people look at themselves and say, I'm going to be the next Mr. Olympia. I'm going to do whatever it takes. So I always tell competitors, um, no matter where you are, what is your significant emotional experience? Because you need to remind yourself of that when you're by yourself at the gym at 10 p.m. doing cardio and you're really struggling, right? That mm -hmm. final week or final two weeks. And you need to remind yourself why you started, right? So have that significant emotional experience. The second thing is you don't want to diet. You don't want to uh, exercise and give so much effort without having proper coaching. Because I've seen a lot of competitors, they put so much into it, but just because they didn't have the proper guidance, all that effort went down the window. They could have placed in second place on their first show, but they ended up in 10th because they made a mistake in their posing. They made a mistake in their nutrition. So you want to have the significant emotional experience. You want to have proper uh, coaching. And also, you want to educate yourself to become a better competitor, a better athlete. Get your certification and start learning about biomechanics. Start learning about nutrition. Become yourself a better professional. Just like a football player, he goes into the video room, right, the film room, and he starts watching other players. You need to do that and you need to become better. You need to know what you're eating. You need to know how to exercise properly to prevent injury. So uh, educate yourself and become better. So I have these three things if you want to be a competitor. Have a significant emotional experience that's going to boost you up through your prep. Um, hey, listen, a lot of times it's divorce. A lot of times it's something that happened in somebody's life that triggered them to try to accomplish this. The second thing is proper guidance. Do your research and find a great coach. Go interview. Get on a call with great coaches. Five, 10, 15, a great coach in your area. And the third thing is you yourself need to become better and educate yourself. Get a certification. Start studying. Become a master of nutrition, a master of biomechanics. So then you start knowing what's happening to your body and you become a better professional. I had a chance to work out with Derek Lunsford and Chris Bumstead. And both of them are students of the game. You know, they not only go to work out, they finish and they go in the internet and they try to get as much information as possible so they can become better professionals. That's right. And I love that thought, right? That mentality of being a sponge, being a student of the game as you're going through the process. And obviously having great coaching is going to help shorten that learning curve for you guys. And being in love with the process where you're loving the journey more so than just the outcomes is going to help keep you successful for a longer period of time. So I think just kind of level setting, realistic expectations. Some people get into the sport and they maybe don't understand the different layers and levels to the industry. You know, we've got to get some regional shows, some novice shows under our belt. Ideally, you're winning some overalls at the regional level to qualify for nationals, right? And then once you're at a point where you're consistently placing well at nationals, maybe you get your pro card. But a lot of people want to shortcut or circumvent that process and skip from novice to pro right away rather than focusing on loving the journey of reaching that goal. So for you guys that are new to the sport, take that advice. I think it'll make the entire process a lot more enjoyable for you.
And with that, guys, we are going to bring this episode to a close. It has been a blast chopping it up with you, Tarek. Let's let our followers know where they can find you, not only online on Instagram, but also for the Primetime Muscle and Olympia TV. Yes, uh, guys, Primetime Muscle is on Olympia TV, YouTube. You can go there and check it out. Great tips. On Instagram is TK Gindi, like my last name, TK Gindi. And I'm on Instagram. If you ever need any help, you can send me a message there. And a lot of times I, I catch some of these messages and I'm able to reply. It's been an honor to be here. I'm a huge fan of the National Association of Sports Medicine. You guys are the best of the best in certifications. I've known of the reputation since I worked for Gold's Gym. So I said, I got to participate. Those guys are the best of the best. Well, we appreciate your support, Tarek. And hey, I look forward to many more conversations in the future. And for you guys that are watching, if you got value out of this episode, all we ask is that you share with at least one friend. Otherwise, take care. And we will see you guys back in the next episode of the Peak Physique Podcast. <laughs>